0: hi mamas or mamas to be i'm kayla and i'm tara and welcome, welcome to motherhood, motherhood leaked. leaked we're two first-time mums leaking unfiltered tales of motherhood being there getting there and possibly getting lost along the way let's, let's chat, chat.
1: may contain swearing
0: hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of motherhood leaked hi kayla hi tara how are you how has your week been it's been a fast week Fast week. Like,
1: I feel like, actually, time. hang on a second. It's only, is it only Monday? What day is it? Monday. Oh my God. I mean, like,
0: how's the week? Obviously not today. How's okay. today been, but how's the, the previous? previous week
1: been? I just, for a second though, I like went into like a bit of brain fog of like, oh, it's Friday, but it's just time warped. Did yeah, I Did not know what day, know it, was what day it was or anything. <laughs> um, No, the the past week then from whatever we recorded last has been good. I mean, again, I mean, I feel like my brain's in a time warp, but <laughs> It's been a good week in the sense that I was given this little gem of information Ooh. from another mum friend. All oh, so it's a mum hack. It is a bit of a mum hack, actually. Ooh, um, and it actually comes from another podcast, um, from Boob to Food, from yeah. um, Love them. Luca, I don't know her last
0: name. I don't know any name. Anyway, Boob to Food podcast, <laughs> they were the talking book, about
1: parenting, talking about playing with children toddlers and how sometimes you just don't want to play with your children mm. um and that's okay um and we can also feel obligated to and course, guilty when yeah, we don't we do. um, Mom guilt. so i mean look this feels relevant talking to, to the fact that our episode this week is about child psychology and the child's psyche but <laughs> um so i've been kind of getting in my child's psyche this week um so yes this little hack is essentially um you know, when you like your child's asking to play with them and you really want to either just sit down and not play with them or you want to get something done. And I know for me, I'm always like, I feel guilty and I'll just sometimes drop what I'm doing, which is so fine as well. There's times that's okay. But it's like coming from this place of like, I just don't actually want to do that, but okay, fine. I'll like do it. Um, and then I'm not fully invested or, um, I say that I don't want to, and then I get all of 30 seconds without him being like, mommy, like and calling for me, whatever. So this little hack is essentially giving a child choice. And it's something that I would do. I found myself doing when it's something that I'm going to do. So if like, I've got to go outside to hang the washing, I might say to Elliot, I've got to go outside to hang the washing. You can come with me or you can stay inside and he'll decide. But if it's him coming to me, normally I do the typical, like, no, mommy's got to do this now. You can, you can help me, Yeah, but that's it. Like, you know, yeah. um, so this little hack is essentially, I'll give you an example. So I, the other day was getting a bit um, of that, you know, overstimulation happening. <laughs> I was, <laughs> we do. It, it was my own fault. I was trying to do cook lunch. <laughs> yes. Cook lunch, prep dinner. And manage a toddler and two dogs at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then it all got, and then I somehow in there tried to vacuum the house, literally all at once. <laughs> oh my
0: gosh, Jesus.
1: <laughs> Train wreck. Oh. Um, so I'm yeah, I was living in exhausted. my own suffering right then, but <laughs> got through and then I was like, okay, I actually just need to like bring myself back down. I need to have a cup of tea and sit out in the sun. Like that's what I need. Yeah. Where's Elliot at? So Elliot was happy to play outside. So I was like, I'm going to test this theory. So I uh-huh. sat down he's like, mommy chase me with the mower. Yeah. His little toy mower. So I sat down and I was like, "Mummy's sitting down and having a rest. You can sit with me or you can go and play with your mower. He goes, okay, and goes and plays with his mower. Boom. And I got a good 20 to 30 minutes. He did come past and check in again. Five. And I'd be like, "Mummy's resting. You can yep. rest with me or you can play with your mower. But he was like, he isn't, I would say he's like your typical toddler in terms of playing yeah. by themselves at this age. Like you yeah, might get play. five, 10 minutes That's here, it. there. But this was like it was actually beautiful to see he was like talking to himself and like he was enjoying <gasps> his time and it was almost I've like he knew really clearly oh. what i was doing what he was doing yeah that i was there like it was just yeah so give him my...
0: that choice like giving him yeah. the responsibility and be like well you're you can make the choice so mm-hmm. we'll put the ball in your court so he still has some
1: power yeah but i didn't have to sacrifice and, but you money. weren't like neglect
0: it. you were just like no. you can hang with me and like spend yeah. time with me that's the other option mm-hmm. whereas like when I think about it, like Bo, like I was doing studying the other night and Bo was like, "Mummy's computer, I want to sit with you and play. And like, he's just, and I'm like, mate, Mummy's just got to finish this. Mm. I'll be about five, 10 minutes and mm. then I'll come play with you. But as I was saying before, like we don't, like kids don't have that concept of time. Like he's like five minutes. What, what is yeah. five minutes? What is that word? And
1: that's what I found myself doing as well. we' like, "Mummy's cooking dinner. I'll be there in a minute. Like you keep playing. I'll be there in a minute. And yeah, like, exactly. they just don't understand. No, like, they don't what? know what a
0: minute is. Like what's a minute to a child?
1: Exactly. So that's been my little like gem and that's been working really well. I've been using it like oh God, when we've awesome. gone to like. Our, like my sister-in-laws and we're playing with the kids there like I've got to have a conversation because yeah. I you know invite him to join me and sit with yeah. me or go and play and like, like I don't want to sit here and talk to you guys yeah <laughs> so yeah no that's been really great oh so, I'm gonna
0: try that this week that's so good because mm. I don't do that I'm just like yeah mate I'll be five minutes and then I'll come and join you or whatever and he yeah. still annoys me the whole time <laughs> so
1: thank you to Sheridan if you're listening for that little gem and yeah, obviously great. it came from the other podcasts, that's great too. But yeah, that yeah. was great.
0: What about you? What's been happening? Well, I have a two year old now. <gasps> <gasps> did, 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 did. <laughs> Can you believe it? Oh my God, I can't. Um, so that's been hectic. It's been, and I had a second birthday party as well because all of our mothers' group, like kids, are all turning two at the moment. So it's mm-hmm. been very busy. Um, but I made a cake. I'm not sure if you saw in our stories, I um, whipped up a What is it? A caterpillar cake? Hungry caterpillar. Hungry caterpillar. It was impressive. You did well. Look, it was good from afar, but far from good. So I probably didn't do enough close-up shots. I was literally making this icing at like 11.30 at night or something. What is it with like... Kids'
1: birthdays, Christmas, all this. We leave it to like the last Oh, yeah, because
0: I felt guilty because we weren't having a party. So I was like, "Um, I've got to make this cake. It's going to be my one input. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And poor Brenton had to start work at 3 a.m. And I'm up at midnight, clanging, banging. He stuck his head out the door at like 10 to midnight or something and he couldn't sleep. And he's like, how long are you going to be? And it was very like, I'm like, I've got to do the dishes still. And because I was triggered as well because I've been like, I'm making this cake. Um, sorry, sorry Cara for the, very popular. It's not
1: me. It's actually your husband's computer <laughs> Oh, my God, that's it's the computer.
0: Off. Well, there you go. Brenton's probably like, I can hear you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but he loved the cake. Like, he thought it was the best thing ever, which, you know, Amazing. that's all I care about. That's all um, that matters. But, yeah, I didn't use the stick blender to mix the icing because it would have... So you had to hand mix the. I hand mixed it, so it was lumpy as like it was so lumpy. Oh my god, that's so funny! But so up close, it looked good. Arm workout though. Oh my god, it was yeah. Yeah. But you can imagine the noise anyway. (laughs) So um, it got done. Mum and dad came in, flew from Melbourne for his birthday. So I palmed him off to daycare that day because I had work. Mm -hmm. Um, so but they had a little birthday thing for him at daycare. So that was nice, and he got really excited when he saw Nan and Pop at home. And uh, it's been so nice having them here. Like I just forget because you don't have that constant help. Like my parents are so helpful, Mm Mum. You know, helps clean, helps with both. She's really interacted with him, plays with him. He just adores both of them.
1: Yeah, so in case we have any new listeners here, so you are originally from Melbourne and your family's still in Melbourne and you relocated up to the Gold Coast and you don't have any... No, here.
0: no, it's been about six years we've been here, and yeah. um, yeah, oh my god, when they come up, it's just it's like a breath heaven. of fresh air, isn't it? Oh, when you have I can some just hands, go to shops, and I really take my time. I must admit, I probably like milk it. <laughs> Good, so you should. I just, yeah, I just dawdle around. Like this is amazing, not having to be like Brenton, Like, what, what time is it? Are you going to be home? I got to do this. It's just nice to have the time. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's, that's great. Been our week, so yeah, my little two year old in the house. Look
1: oh out. wow, and Elliot's not far away now. He's what? Like he actually? Yeah, yeah we're like just under the four uh-huh. week mark now. Yeah. Wow, toddlers, two-year-olds, we're oh here, we God. made it somehow. We did. We did.
0: And we had another guest. Woo! woo yes. <laughs> we recorded guess.
1: yesterday and it went so well. And I think that we covered some really important topics when it comes to our children's behavior.
0: Absolutely. And, and I'm glad Kayla pulled because um, it's Melissa Watton, who is a child psychologist. We have a chat with her. Um, who's also a friend of mine that I've referred to on the podcast quite a lot, Missy. And Kayla did pull us up at the start, especially me, because I got so excited having a friend on the podcast. Um, yeah, Tara was very excited.
1: It was like having a Kayla friend Come like, Kayla
0: your farm, mate. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> ease in. So I'm glad Kayla pulled us up. So I'm sorry if you, you sensed that excitement at the start. I
1: mean, look, it was all good. It was great energy to bring in. We oh, it was it.
0: great. I and mean, in the end, it really was a great conversation. I learned so much. Um, yeah, it was really good. And we hope you guys enjoy it.
1: Yeah, let's just jump straight in. Let's
0: do it. Hi everyone, let's welcome Missy to the podcast. And sorry, I just called Missy, Missy. Well, that is (laughs) her name. It is her name, especially to me. Oh wait, hang on. Melissa.
1: I didn't even know this.
0: Oh really? (laughs) No, because Tara's
1: always introduced you. I've always,
0: yeah, I've always spoken about Missy. So you've probably heard me talk about Missy multiple times. I'm going to give you that book back today. Um, On the podcast. (laughs) The (laughs) book. (laughs) Um, You've got
2: another baby coming.
0: I know. Okay guys, hang on. Let's
1: just, I feel like we're just getting
2: lost all over the place here, i know with
1: tara being so excited to have a friend on the podcast i am so excited it's, it's like when you have a friend come over for a sleep it is it is um okay so we have who do we have here today Tara? we
0: have melissa watton child psychologist on the podcast also Mom my friend two. missy mother Hi. of two how are you, Missy? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Would you like to introduce yourself and let, since I know a lot about you and Kayla just learned that your name's Melissa, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself and Some what m- it is you do? Some and facts.
2: Um, Well, my name's Melissa. Um, a lot of my friends call me Missy. I've gotten into a <laughs> habit of differentiating myself at work as Melissa and um, in my personal life being Missy. I'm a psychologist. I've been working with families and children for the last seven years. Um, I currently work a couple of days in private practice, a couple of days um, at a community program, helping families with challenging behaviors um, in the parent-child relationship. And then I have two little boys of my own that keep me very busy the rest of the time. Yeah. Well, How old sound- are your
1: boys? Sorry, but that Sorry. just sounds like a lot in itself. Like <laughs> you work as a psychologist and you have two children to hold space for. You're holding a lot of yeah. emotional space I, for people. <laughs> and
2: it's just an art in being able to hold that space. Mm. Um, one that I am still learning very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if it gets easier over time. Um, and you're, and the something. boys' ages. The boys' I mean, ages. Them, so my oldest is about three and a half. And my little one is about a week away from turning two, which I am having a lot of emotions
0: about. And so so little Bo is obviously, we refer to him as B2 Mm -hmm. and Missy calls my Bo B1 because I met Missy like six weeks after I had Bo and Missy came into my life at the right time because, you know, you were a mother of two. Mm -hmm. I was brand new to the mum world and um, we used to catch up for coffee quite a lot with our bows.
2: We were introduced by our midwife. We were. um, Because we lived around the corner from each other and both had boys at the same time with the same name yeah you're my
0: savior i'm not gonna lie (laughs) and so it'll be great to speak to you today especially because you do have you know such a great background with behavioral issues i guess not Mm -hmm. issues like um and child development and things like that yeah uh so it'd be great to get in there and ask a few questions
1: i'd like to know um when and when did you get into
2: studying psychology and what drove you to choose that field do you know what i didn't (laughs) <laughs> sure i actually i i signed up for uni um as a like, mature age student i was like in my early 20s i wasn't going straight from high school like everyone else did and i started in a, a degree of i think it was a bachelor of arts majoring in communication wow um you with be thoughts of being a journalist <laughs> um, i took one psychology elective and was like this is it this is the oh, stuff amazing. i'm interested in and wow. based on i think three weeks of that course i changed my whole degree Amazing. Oh, wow. Um, so it was, yeah, something that I didn't really know I was so interested in until I had the exposure to it. What got that spark going in you? What is oh, it just that Understanding human you? behavior really mm-hmm. interested me and, yeah, I guess the urge to help people. But I really, that. I think the initial drive was that understanding. When I think back on my life and I think back on, you know, my interests, you know, mm. I loved reading you know who done it and murder <laughs> mysteries because I always wanted to know like why the person did the thing in why they, yeah. understanding what drove what drove the behavior mm-hmm. um, and, and was it
0: always like when you were thinking when you were doing psychology back then? Did you have a special interest in children and kids? No, and- not at oh, all. okay, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Again, just in general. Thing, like, psychology, I thought I yeah. wanted
2: to work with like some really significant mental health difficulties like schizophrenia and bipolar. Yeah. Um, and just through opportunity, I had a chance to work with children um, and I loved it. Again, it was another thing that when I look back on my life, it makes so much sense. I did so much babysitting. I've always loved hanging out with kids. I've got a lot of younger cousins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just drawn to them. Yeah, just drawn to it. And then I had this exposure to it. I was like, hold on. I really, really love this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I just kind of fell into to this job and I've been so lucky because it wouldn't have been something that I had planned, like if I sat down when I was younger and planned out what my life was going mm. to be. Yeah.
0: What well, you weren't going to be a zoologist, zoologist or like... No, I was going to be famous
2: like, if you asked me when yeah. I was three. <laughs> I didn't...
0: <laughs> well, here you are. You're on our podcast. You are famous. Yes. You've made You're it. I'm well. becoming
2: famous. This is fantastic. <laughs> oh, I
1: love that. I love how it's just like you started on a path and then you got a spark and you followed it like I think mm. that's what's really cool in that story and I like you that's what I loved about so I studied psychology which we've mm-hmm. talked about yep. um and that for me was always a thing like um I found with uni well I didn't necessarily like the, the um assignments the actual subjects were amazing oh they were fascinating they're great like you learn so much about the brain and about people and it's yeah
0: I can so relate on that I level. was really turned off psychology if, if I'm honest because of my teacher at School, high school, like she was such. I don't know, how do I Mom. put this? How do I put this? <laughs> <laughs> how do I put this
1: politically? <laughs> horrible,
0: horrible dragon of a lady, um, <laughs> yeah. who didn't like me because I was a bit eccentric, probably <laughs> for her liking. But I, I enjoyed the subject originally, um, but she just turned me off it, and it's such a shame because I mean I don't think I ever would have gone into it if I'm honest. Um, but it was an interesting subject that I I really disliked because of her, especially.
1: Well, that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? And another talking to how. Um, as children and teenagers, how like influenced we are by the experiences yeah. we go mm. through with people and our parents and the caregivers around us. And I guess this talks to you, Missy, and what yeah. you do about yeah. how important it is for that connection to be supportive and understanding. But also then how tough it can be on parents and families when children have needs like that mm. are not necessarily
2: necessarily neurotypically Normal. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, That relationship, like you said, is is absolutely everything and that's a lot of what we do, Mm. um, I guess, in psychology and especially in the area that I work in is strengthening that parent-child relationship so that the child feels secure, the child is feeling understood and the parent can see sort of the need that's driving a child's behaviour. I love that. We talk about that a
1: lot on this podcast. We've talked to it recently about how yeah, children's behaviour and acting out there is something going on, whether it is Mm -hmm. neuro. Development-based, mm. or whether it's just a need connection thing, yeah. like their their behavior is driven by a need, and it's not necessarily what they're doing. It's about that emotion that might be there that needs to be witnessed and whatever. But yeah. I'm so interested to yeah um, learn a little bit more about how I guess in what you have seen. And I know we have questions we're going to get into, but this yeah. is just something that I have on my mind. I'm curious about is in the work that you do, what is something that you have found to bring you joy I guess and when you can see that there is a child and a parent who's maybe in a bit of a disconnect Mm -hmm. like what's worked really well to help bring them into balance again and like yeah what's something that's brought you joy in doing that
2: that well what's brought me joy in doing that I think the thing that I really enjoy seeing is that shift sometimes parents come in feeling like there's something wrong with their child or Mm. their child is broken or damaged um, in some way because of this tricky or challenging behavior in these, you know, big emotions that the child's experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um, And when they have that shift and being able to see, like, there's nothing that's wrong with my child, maybe the child doesn't have the skills to communicate what they're feeling in a way that is, um, I guess, helpful in being able to have the family understand and being able to work together. But when Mm -hmm. they have that shift and you see that they can really understand what's going on for their child and you see that relationship between them strengthen and just, that shift in the relationship getting stronger, a lot of behaviours will slide away on their own and it is such a beautiful thing to witness. Mm, Isn't
1: that interesting how like it's again just coming back to that connection, they feel connected again. Mm. And for the parents, like it would be so confronting to have a child and like not be able to meet their needs as the parent, like mm. you would almost internalize it as like not even what's wrong with my child, but what's wrong with yeah, me? What like am I a lot, doing lot wrong. of those parents would walk through the door and be like, it's me. Yeah. yeah. You know, some so for some them, parents do walk in like
2: that. Yeah. And, it's, and it's so for them, it yeah. would be. And Are for, the ones
0: who come to see you, sorry, um, know, that you do the like program with where you watch and talk them through and guide mm-hmm. them, um, do parents come in who maybe their child doesn't have huge behavioral issues or Um, can anyone come and do that? Or is it specific children who are having a hard time or the parents?
2: Yeah, so because our service is small and we can only do so much and we only have so much funding to be able to do it, um, there has been shifts. So when I first started, we got a lot of self-referrals from parents that are like, oh, we're just having this tough time and they'll come and they'll do it. Um, Now our referrals come through either from child safety or um, through health pathway. So whether it's a pediatrician, a child health
0: nurse, Mm
2: -hmm. um, child development services.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking Um, like what a great program for everyone to be able to access. Like something like that where you've got someone in your ear, like a professional in your ear who's guiding you through that, especially if you've come from like, we all come from different walks of life and backgrounds Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And we grow up with stuff be just great to have you know programs like that for anyone to do
2: yeah it's amazing being able to uh, I guess we were talking about this before we started recording but mm. the program itself is kind of done behind a two-way mirror so a parent and child are playing in a room the parent wears an earpiece and the therapist is behind a two-way mirror so the therapist is away the child and parent tend to have more naturalistic interactions mm-hmm. in that space without yeah. someone being in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the parent is coached in how to address these challenges in behavior through positive parenting strategies. Wow, that's so that's good. amazing! Um, it is, is yeah, because a lot of, I mean, there are so many wonderful parenting programs yeah. out there, and, and quite a few amazing free ones that you can get access to. Yeah, a lot of the information is the same, but for some behaviors when they're really challenging, it's not enough to just read it and try it yourself. Mm because um, kids also don't play by the rule book yeah like, you know the the book might say like oh for behaviors a b and c you do this and then the yes. child throws your behavior j and you're like oh yeah i'm actually <laughs> learning kind of a lot about that from.
0: at school because i deal you know with kids who you know um, have trauma backgrounds things like that And i'm learning at the moment we're doing behavior at you like mm-hmm. school and it's talking about all the strategies that you put in place and i think i've tried every strategy under the sun especially for certain <laughs> students and it's not it's just not working for a couple of them and i'm like what am i doing wrong like But I, you know, I don't have time to delve deeper into, Mm. you know, what these poor kids have gone through or, um, and so it's just interesting that you say that because you like, you think you've got this toolbox of strategies. I'm like, yeah, I can do this positive, you know, um, learning. And then I try it and I'm like, oh, that's not working. What am I going to pull out now? (laughs) Like, what else have I got? And then
1: I guess you play into like parents' life stresses. Like, it's like they're trying to do all that while managing a household, while worrying about finances, while worrying about anything else that life Mm. throws you. Like, it's just nice for them to have that support Um, is do you find because I know it's talked about a lot in like the mental health space for adults about how there's just not enough access their wait lists are long for psychologists and support is that the same case with what you're seeing with parents and children and families or is there there is
2: just I mean on the Gold Coast there's not enough support but I think you know from from what I've read and what I see it's something that's happening worldwide. There's mm. just not enough funding. There's not enough support. There's not enough understanding. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's one area that I'm really passionate about. And I think that got me really excited about being able to come on the podcast is being able to share this information because yeah. it isn't accessible for everyone. Yeah. Um, in the service I work with at the uni, we, we try and work with families um, that don't have easy access mm. to being able to get a private psychologist because yeah. it's expensive and wait lists are long. Yeah. Um so trying to spread that awareness as much as possible because there are so many families out there suffering that don't have access to services and support. Mm, yeah,
0: that's so good.
1: So on that note, if there if there is someone listening who is maybe maybe they don't even realize it, but if someone is listening and they know of someone or that it's them personally and they're feeling a bit stuck, what would be their first point of call from your experience in the programs that you got you've been involved in? What could someone do? Where could they go? Yeah. Um, what would be specific, the first of call yeah
2: specifically if it's parenting my first point of call would be to try some of the online programs yeah um, there really is so much amazing information and a lot of um, the different programs that exist out there, when you look at the core components of it, they're all the same. Yeah. They're all mm. the same. Mm. They're delivered in slightly different ways, they're slightly different language. Yeah. Um, so, Triple P online is a really wonderful resource that's free, I think, for all Australians. Okay. We'll wow. put that um, in the show notes yeah. too at the end. Yeah. Um, so, that's a really great one. Mm-hmm. Mm, Again, it's a bit more self-directed, so it it requires that a parent can sort of, A, have access to the internet and some time to sort of read and look at videos online and then trying to put those things into place at home. Um, And for families that find that that's too hard, they can't manage it for whatever reason, they don't have the time or the behaviors are a lot more challenging than sort of what's being described, trying to link in with a psychologist. It's mm. never too early, especially with wait lists. Yeah. Um, it's better to be on a wait list and then pull out from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. than to sort of wish that you had been on it earlier and, and that um, I guess behaviors become more challenging and you fall into these tricky relationship patterns. Yeah. The pattern yeah. Yeah. It
1: becomes complex then. And it's something it's like, it's almost habitual in the way that it keeps coming up and it's going to be like, every time it happens it's kind of strengthened exactly so then That's yeah it. it is that is a really good piece of advice for people if they have any concerns to just yeah get in and get checked yeah, yeah. get it, get the process started and on that note is there any red flags that you would look f- or speak to that parents could look out for that are not those typical behaviors like you were just saying before you know if, it, if it's outlying of these typical behaviors in mm-hmm. inverted comments, like what are some sorts of things that parents might be yeah looking at as red
2: flags Oh, in terms of red flags, in terms of just mental health and um, challenging behaviors, the things that I would start to look for, or if if someone was talking to me, suggest that they start seeking more support around would be things like if their child was able to do something and then suddenly starts significantly regressing Mm -hmm. from that behavior. So, you know, for some children, they might have a lot of language and then lose that language or, you know, might be toilet trained and, and lose that ability. And there can be lots of different reasons for that but we want to start thinking you know why is this happening all of a sudden for this particular child yeah um some of the other things that i would look for is behaviors that start interfering with your life and your ability to be able to do things Mm -hmm. um so you know just as an example if a child had a spider phobia for example and all of a sudden you know they were avoiding going to school because they once saw a spider near the doorway and they couldn't go to school and their anxiety was so heightened at that point that would be a really good time to check in with a psychologist or seek some additional support. So yeah, um, even challenging behaviours, you know, if you find that it's taking 45 minutes to get out of the door because, you know, the child's really struggling with doing uh, simple tasks, mm-hmm. those mm. might be the times because it's, causing a lot of difficulty I guess for you to be able to go on and do the day-to-day things that need to happen yeah, yeah
1: it's almost like when you look at your own personal mental health when things are starting to impact your day-to-day that's when you'd really be seeking help like yeah if it's holding you back from doing the things you would normally do yeah so that's a really good point for parents is just to go yeah well like how much is this impacting our well-being as a yeah. family
2: yeah and another thing that I say to um, families a lot well two things that I say to families a lot is you know it's the things that get in the way of us as parents or the child being happy calm and confident mm-hmm. yeah um, and the other thing has just slipped my mind because I'm a mother of two. And- <laughs> uh, <do laughs> we <sorry>. so get <laughs> it. We so get it. <laughs> Absolutely. I did
0: have a couple of listeners actually put in, I put a question box up. So I did have a couple of questions and I'm sure there's a couple here that people could relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one's probably not as deep as um, what we were just going into, but someone did ask, how do you get a two-year-old to eat anything but chicken nuggets? <laughs> So obviously someone's having a bit of an issue with just that. And I know many people who do, like some of my friends call their, like say their kids are on the white diet. Mm-hmm. And they'll only eat things that are white. Um, do you have, I mean, I might not be your specialty, but do you have any advice um, in dealing with that, especially being a mama too as well? That's helpful.
2: Yeah. And look, we're very much in a bolognese phase in my house. <laughs> bolognese phase. Bolognese. I love it. I love it. The
0: bolognese phase.
2: We're, we're not into it. You're in it. full acceptance too, which I love yeah. even more. You're like, yep, we're there. Yeah. Um, a lot of the advice around eating is very different from how we treat behavior. So, yeah, okay. you know, with behavior, it's a lot of boundaries and, you know, some behaviors that we'll give lots of extra attention to and some behaviors we give less attention to because it can be reinforcing. Yeah. With eating, specifically with, like, getting the child to put food in their mouth, it's really more about having a no-pressure approach. The more that you force a child, the more you kind of go head-to-head battles and the child will sort of hold their position more. You get Love more frustrated. Yeah. Um, so we always talk about you know, including a safe food on their plate. So if there's a food that you know they will eat, you know, maybe it is the chicken nugget. Yeah. <laughs> you, you keep that on the plate there because you know that they're going to eat it yeah. and they're getting enough food and sustenance, um, but also continuously exposing them to the other foods. So that might be, you know, having some different varieties of food. On their plate. Yeah. Um. Also, sitting down and having family meal times, kids learn so much from watching us, mm. that modelling and of and that yeah, the modelling. Yeah. So even just seeing you know mum, dad, auntie, brothers, sisters eating different types of food mm-hmm. makes them more likely to be able to do it. Mm. Yeah. Um. Some of the other advice around that is including the child in the cooking process. Yeah. I find that one Stressful. challenging myself. I have a very impulsive three and a half year old who will like grab handfuls of raw meat and I'm like. And you, peg it? Like can I tell no, the no, pegs? No. Oh, well, that's good. Into Yours his mouth. Into oh, mouth. Oh, no. okay. Oh, that's no. rough. So, well, so. we're
1: in the throwing phase. We're in the two year old like pegging thing. So yeah, yeah, he, like, I'm same. like, can you put the sweet potato on the train? He does it like three pieces. And then he literally just launches the rest across the room. And I'm like,
2: oh <laughs> yeah, we have a two year old that like will get his plate and just like. Push it to the yeah. floor so the dog can so eat it. Yeah, um, very frustrating for me because I don't like mess. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> at least you have a dog. That's a good thing. It's
2: true. I, I very much recommend Third having child. a dog around. Me feeding. too. I've got two. It's
0: great. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm missing out on that.
2: Although um, I mean, look, just, just to that
1: point, please don't just go deciding to get a dog just Oh, to no. Clean up. Because I wanted look,
0: to get a dog when I was pregnant with Bo, and. Thinking wow. back, yeah, thinking back, I'm like, what was I thinking? And I even remember. now, I'm like, never, again. never. A dog. I thought about
2: getting a second dog while I was pregnant with my first. What is it? So I'm it like, must just is... be this, well, like, well, yeah, yeah. And I got our second dog
0: just before I fell pregnant with Elliot, Did so you? I basically oh, have two toddlers, wow. so yeah, yeah. And you don't well, have miniature dogs, your dog's
1: a no, big. No, mine, he's an Aussie Shepherd, he yeah, has all the energy. I mean, it's anyway. Yeah. Um, something though that I saw, um, when we're talking about food and getting kids to eat and what you were saying about the no pressure, like that's great. And Tara and I have talked about this before. I don't know about on the podcast though, but that's something that Tara and I very much agree on in our own approach is that we offer food. We don't put any pressure on our kids Mm -hmm. to eat it. If they don't eat, they don't eat. They're not offered anything else. They they just get that. But something that I found um, helpful on a page called Solid Starts, it's very popular, great information. But something I found really helpful was – talking about food in terms of its texture and the color and what it looks like yeah. and like even if elliot yeah. just picks it up off the plate great like so just knowing that exposure isn't actually in the mouth like it doesn't have to be tried and there yeah. doesn't have to be pressure on trying it so i think yeah. that is something that
0: we found personally helpful it's, it's like and and that redirection of- thing sometimes isn't it too like i say to Bo, like he might be finished and be like i don't want him finished and i'm like yeah, yeah that's fine and i'm like what color is the carrot on your plate and he'll be like, oh, it's orange. And I'm like, what about the broccoli? It's green. And he'll pick something up and eat it. And I'll keep him at the table a bit longer more because I want to finish my dinner and not yeah. have to like worry about cleaning it up. <laughs> yeah. And
2: that's really supported by the evidence and the research. Um, one of the girls that used to work with us did um, a postdoc in eating behaviors oh, wow. and it was a lot of exposure to different foods. So we, Worked with children that had quite restrictive diets, so children that would be on the the white diet, for example, and would refuse to try other food. And it would be just that exposure. Sometimes for some children, they couldn't even tolerate having a piece of broccoli on their plate. Mm. So we would try having like a practice plate where they would have an additional plate Ah. and the broccoli would be on that separate plate. So it was just tolerating having it near them and Mm. then eventually on the plate. And then we would do a lot of play with the food. So getting them to sort of like, you know, pick it up, to smell it, to... You know, pretend they're little ants and yeah. crawl them up their arms yep. and, you know, put them near their mouth. I remember one child I had, um, we had some avocado, I think, and she was using it as lipstick. So just oh, the well. idea of getting <laughs> close to her mouth without the yeah. in her mouth, mm-hmm. you know, it was a huge win and taking that pressure off. Yeah, definitely. And just being oh, that's really playful and having that curiosity I love that. really yeah. sort of had more buy-in. And she increased the things that were in her diet. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, that is really cool. That's really great advice.
2: Mm. There you go. Next question on the list,
1: Tara, um, Um, that drew my attention, which is a good one because I feel like – Sorry, phase- i thought you were asking me what the next question sorry was. i was like um no i'm <laughs> saying I'm, sorry, I'm, guys. Back to the list and I'm just <laughs> that saying me. that like you yeah. drew my attention because you, you pulled us to the list um yeah. and i feel like it's appropriate because having toddlers at the moment hitting is a big thing mm. yeah so the question is what should you do or say if a child hits you or someone else now from yeah. my own personal experience i can see that when either elliot's hitting somebody else or and this is a two-year-old age yeah um or they're hitting elliot it's generally because they can't communicate what they're actually trying Mm -hmm. what they didn't like that already happened like Mm. a toy being taken or yeah frustration some kind of frustration like he he just can't verbalize hey don't do that to me or hey don't take that toy or whatever you know Mm. like i feel like it's a communication point where like it's natural for them to just go whack whether usually if
2: they've seen somebody else do it or it's just an impulse in them but yeah back to the question (laughs) what is your thoughts missy um, I think I completely agree with you, especially in the younger ages. You know, it's really a lot about communication. Mm-hmm. Um, It's also what I'd call like a skill deficit. The child doesn't have the skill to know how to do something differently. Mm, yeah. Um, especially, you know, we see it in older children, so you know, four and five year olds and six year olds, and sometimes grown adults. You know, yeah. It's a skill <laughs> deficit yeah. where yeah. <laughs> they experience this overwhelming emotion, mm-hmm. um, and for younger ones, they actually verbally do not have the language no. to communicate yep. at, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but for older people as well, they don't know how to communicate their anger in a helpful way. Um, when we experience an emotion, we experience in our bodies, mm-hmm. we experience frustration mm-hmm. physically. We feel our yeah. muscles tense, our heart beats fast, mm-hmm. you know, our body prepares for that fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. And so the kids want to do things to release that yeah. anger. Yeah. So one part of it is to see and acknowledge that feeling. You know, you're really angry that your brother took your toy. Um, You know, you're really frustrated that mum said no, that you couldn't have ice cream for breakfast. Mm -hmm. So Mm. naming that feeling. So the child then starts to make a connection between what they're experiencing physically in their body Mm. and the language for it. The more that we do that, they then start to make that association and are more likely to be able to verbalise then, this is what I'm feeling. It also helps them um, feel seen and heard. Like... Mm you get that I'm feeling angry about this. And a lot of the times it is a thing that is fair in their mind to be angry about. Yeah. The other part of it is holding the boundary. You know, Mm. it's okay to be angry that your toy got taken next time. You know, you can say, I didn't like that. Or you can come and tell mummy. Mm, mm. like giving them the option. language and the skills of, of what
0: to do. Yeah. Instead of me just going gentle hands, Bo, gentle hands. That's my I I go-to. Like, gentle hands is
2: a great, is a great thing to, to do because you're telling the child what to do. Yeah. Use you're gentle okay, hands. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, rather than saying don't hit because then the child's like, yeah. okay, don't hit, but then what do I do instead? Yeah. And mm. so that whole thing
0: of them hearing the last thing is like, I know we've talked about this before. You know how kids kind of, they hold on to the last thing you said. So when you say don't hit, they hear hit and they're like, there oh. like you go, boom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, um, use gentle hands. Like if I worded it better, I'm just like gentle hands. I probably need to word that. Better. Gentle
2: hands is great. Yeah, use <laughs> that all the time. Yeah, and especially if you've got a child that is being quite aggressive in their behaviours, we want to praise the opposite of it. So when you see that they're being gentle, you know, I really like that you used your gentle hands.
0: That was right. such a good job being gentle with mummy. What? It- the- Sorry, <laughs> we've got so many questions. We, <laughs> we I do. We're like, like, oh Kel- my God. Yeah, Kayla, Kel- <laughs> my brain's just like kicking over in the same vein. Like, how do you differentiate? when you're like roughhousing, like I noticed like Brenton and Bo, like roughhouse a lot. Mm. And then my dad comes up here and he revs him up and does things that I, like he lets him hit him and do things. And it's hard to like be like, well, gentle, don't like pop boundaries. Like let him, don't let him hit you in the head. Whereas pop just lets it happen mm-hmm. um, and laughs about it. And I'm like, how do I like tell him that you're playing with pop and it's okay because he's letting you do it. Like, how do you separate the, the can you? Or is it That's not? a really
2: great question. And there's also a lot of research that sort of supports it. There's a really important place in sort of that rough house behavior, yep. um, especially with children and their fathers yep. um, and it, it has its own significant sort of um, contributions to their relationship and it's healthy for development. Yeah. I guess that would come down to a lot more about being aware of boundaries. Mm. So, you know, as it starts to escalate, you know, if you say, no, that's hurting my body, Yeah, that the child then starts to, understand that when someone else holds a boundary we we respond to mm. that and in the same way doing that for the child if the child starts to say no yeah we listen to that and we model that for them you said no i'm gonna stop because you let me know you don't like that right now yeah and that can apply to things like tickling or any sort mm. of body yeah. awareness yeah sort of modeling for the child mm. what the re- correct response is and doing it with them as well so i love yeah. that that's yeah. so good because
1: i think it's such an instinctual thing for fathers yeah i don't know what it is. <laughs> it is i've seen it with my brother <laughs> and his kids i've seen it like my dad i remember he did it with my brother and like yeah and now elliot and troy they rough house and the kids love it yeah like, they ask for it like my niece and nephew love it with my my brother um and yeah it's a very instinctual thing and i what i was sort of thinking of tara as you were talking was and missy i don't know if you can kind of summarize my thoughts but um <laughs> I kind of see it as well of like in that setting, it's almost like they're beh- there until a point, like when it escalates, mm-hmm. if it does, their emotions are regulated. Like it's very much a like it's a regulated give take sort of situation yeah. until it escalates. And then if they're hitting or if they're, hurting others it's like kind of is it zooming out from that and looking at like okay what is actually going on for them like are they angry about something or are they frustrated so if it's not roughhousing where everyone's happy Mm. but it's actually like with a friend and they're whacking them over the head because they took the train yeah like it's just actually recognizing
2: the emotion under it not actually just that they're hitting and it's looking at that need that's underlying the behavior so you know is this all fun is a child regulated are they in control of their behaviors Mm. you know we think about anger and frustration along with hitting but sometimes it can go the other way where a child is so overly excited that then 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 they lose control yeah mm. yes um and they get a bit over the top and they can't quite hear when people are saying stop or yeah, no yeah um, but it's always looking at what's happening underneath for this child are they overexcited or are they you know angry or frustrated and mm. what strategies do we need to do to support that emotion but I acknowledging that. that emotion is that that really big important part of it mm. yeah i think that's um so important. There's a page on Instagram. I I think
1: it's called Unconditional Parenting. I'll mm. put it in the show notes. We'll get yes. to it. Yep. Does well, by the <laughs> way, making a note right now. <laughs> um, but they have these scenarios where it's like, for example, it could be as simple as like I was roughhousing with dad, um and then I he said we were going to stop, so I got really angry, so I started hitting him. <laughs> and it's like the old model of behavior-focused parenting would have been like the parent shames them essentially of like, no, you don't hit daddy, and like we were playing, and now we've stopped, and you know. That no recognition for emotion at all, mm. um, just simply wanting to change the behavior. Mm-hmm. And then they give these examples of like what you were saying, Missy, before about how we go with um, recognizing like their emotion. So I can see that you're frustrated. Or I can see that you're angry. Then having the boundary of like, mm-hmm. but I'm not willing to let you hurt me or I'm not willing to let you hit me because that hurts me but I'm here and I'm listening or like what that's one example of like you're still there for the emotion I think that generationally that feels like something that's shifting and I don't know if that's something that's Mm. coming up in your work Is like there's more recognition of that emotion and not shaming the children over it
2: yeah so it's that sort of connection connecting Mm. with the child and their emotion Mm. so they feel heard and seen and understood before Mm -hmm. then putting in the correction because the child will be in a better place to be able to a child all of us yeah Mm. when we're feeling heard and understood we're more likely to take on information and be able to learn definitely um and the other thing i guess that we want to look for as well is that you know in that moment is the child capable of hearing sometimes we need to spend Mm. a lot more time in that connection phase Mm. talking about the emotion being with the emotion holding space for the emotion and then having the teaching afterwards when we're feeling frustrated sometimes we start like Jumping in with, like, you need to do this or you shouldn't do this or you should do that. Yeah. But the child's brain is actually not in a place where it can receive language and have that learning and make those connections until yeah. the child is a bit more calm and a bit more regulated. Yeah. And that's when that learning happens. I
0: think that actually helped me a lot to think about when I do get into the, to those situations, because it, it is easy to get frustrated when you're in the moment, mm. uh, is thinking that they're not fully developed, their brain, like, because mm. I never thought about that until I, like, you know, started looking into, you know, behavioral stuff and things. And then I'm like, oh, they're actually, their brain is not developed painful. enough to be yeah. able to deal with certain things. Like I'm getting frustrated, but like they can't cope. Like no matter what yeah. I do in mm-hmm. this moment, nothing is going to change the way that their brain is. Like, no. mm-hmm. nothing. yeah, so and that helped me like be able to regulate my own emotions and think about that because it's like, puts me in my place.
2: Yeah, and the thing, this is probably going to be a terrible example for a podcast, <laughs> but um, one thing that I refer to a lot with parents is the hand model of the brain. So if you kind of, make a fist with your hand and fold yeah. your thumb in first and, and fold your fingers over the top of your thumb. And we pretend that's your brain. So yeah. your wrist would be the brainstem where, you know, breathing and our heart rate and all the things that our bodies do automatically kind of happen.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, in the middle of our brain, we've got the part that controls our feelings and our emotions and our fight or flight response. Yeah. And then the fingers over the top is like the newer part of our brain that controls things like logic and reasoning, understanding language that part is not fully developed until we're about 25. Wow. Um, and that relies a lot on experiences in the world. So the lower parts of the brain, the part where the wrist would be, the part where your thumb is, is fully developed yeah. as a child when you're born. And then over time, that that top part kind of develops. And we call that, I guess, the thinking brain. Yeah. Um, so when a child or an adult is experiencing a heightened emotion, the thumb, the middle part sort of lights up and that top part of the brain sort of loses connection and sometimes it's referred to as like flipping your lid yeah and so you can see like the parts that respond to language and reasoning and logic are offline so you cannot talk to someone who is Mm -hmm. in a heightened emotional state because the parts of their brain aren't working Mm -hmm. at that stage and it's not until that sort of comes back online and they're calm that then they can respond to language and reasoning like yeah. God knows I've done it myself when I'm trying to reason with mm. my 2-year-old yeah. or my 3-year-old <laughs> <my> <laughs> yeah. about some like behavior and yeah. they can't. They cannot do it at the moment. Yeah.
0: We should and, even maybe film Missy doing it. Like that look, explanation I'll, of you doing all that is amazing. Okay. I'll give you like, a I think link. we need There's a, to...
2: a wonderful link of Dan Siegel who is an amazing um researcher. Yep. Um, and he's written some amazing parenting books as well. So yeah. oh, I'll give you the cool. link for okay. a, a simple explanation. <laughs> you want to He'll- do an acting performance
1: <laughs> for us? <we> <laughs> isn't it so interesting how you were saying um, it doesn't develop to a 25 and it's based on experience. So, mm. And this isn't – like I think there's a lot of us that can then go into this mode of like, oh, my God, I have to be this perfect parent for my child and not do anything to traumatise them. But <laughs> no. More <laughs> interestingly, though, as us now, as this generation of parents, when we get triggered, right, in that mm. emotion, we get overwhelmed, overstimulated, our emotions are triggered by theirs – learning to have that compassion for ourselves to be like okay I do need to go away and take some space or it's okay that I'm not you know responding perfectly right now because we've grown up in that developmental phase of like 25 years of going through experiences just yeah. like they will yeah. where our generation particularly and the generations before ours there wasn't a lot of space held promotion. No. it was all on good girl boy girl conform yeah. you know and I think it's just good to recognize it's not good or bad it's just to recognize that like We then have to learn almost how to regulate and parent ourselves, so that we can help that developing brain for these twenty-five years of our children. Yeah, to go through experiences that that are going to be more reassuring for them of their own emotions Mm -hmm. and how to regulate and know that it's okay to have emotions. Yeah, don't know. That was the thought that I had.
2: Yeah, I I think that's that's so true. You know, Mm. I think for a lot of us as as children, we were taught, you know, anger is this bad thing. We should not have anger. Anger is not okay. And I, I see families come in with this. I guess, you know, you talk a lot about stories, but, you know, this, this generational story of, you know, anger is bad and it's something to be feared and we need to fix the anger. We need to make the anger go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anger is really, like all of our emotions exist for a reason. It yeah. has yeah. kept us safe. It has been really helpful for mm-hmm. us as a species to survive for the however many, you know, hundreds of thousands of years we've existed. Yeah. Um, but it's channeling how we respond to that anger. You mm-hmm. know, anger is okay as long as we're keeping people safe. It's yeah. when people start getting hurt that anger starts to be a bit more I guess tricky or problematic it's yeah. redirecting that anger into healthy ways and for sometimes for, for younger kids you know I I encourage them to let that anger out yeah to like yeah have a, good screen, a, like, yeah. Yeah. Have a lion feet, roar like, you know yeah, yeah. even mm. with my own children when they're feeling they've got that physical feeling of anger in their body yeah let's go throw some soft toys you know you yeah. can throw yeah. it at the wall you know I get <laughs> to hit the
0: pillows I'm like go hit the pillows <laughs> yeah it's fantastic
2: yeah throw that hit that the thing that's safe don't yes. do it towards me yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> don't it towards your brother that's, yeah. that's when it's it that's to really cool i think
1: that's so like again it's just so powerful that we've even having these conversations because for all of us it's like a lot of us have grown mm-hmm. up in this place of like yeah anger is not okay like in our society anger mm-hmm. is not okay so repress 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 and then it gets to this point where people and adults can't repress anymore and then it does explodes, it explodes yeah. and then there that's is really suffering yeah exactly it's hugely problematic so it's really cool to see that not only are we allowing space for ourselves as a generation and the generations to come, but hopefully lessening that in future because hopefully people will have a better mm. understanding of that anger is okay yeah. and you're not a bad person because you yeah. feel angry.
2: And equally with sadness. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yep. Especially for young boys. There yes. is oh, yeah. so much of that story about mm. boys don't cry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we we all up. need to have that cry, you know, that release. It's a really healthy thing to yeah. do. Um, and even for some kids, you see that happiness can be a, an emotion they struggle with yeah. because maybe for their parents, you know, happiness was loud and excitable and that was messy and quiet that down, shut that down. And so, yeah. and it, um, sorry, happiness can be quite an uncomfortable emotion. Yeah, so. that's really interesting. don't emotion do. safe and okay. Wow, yeah.
0: that's very interesting. Mm. I love that. Um, in, I guess in saying that because Bo, I've got to be careful sometimes because he's been like when he does, his, that's why I get him to take it out in the pillow. If he's like, I remember you talking. I don't know. I don't think it was on the podcast. You were talking about Elliot who does the kicking when he's getting changed. Like does um uh, play yeah. a game?
1: It's a new thing where yeah, he kicks like kicks us in the belly essentially. Yeah.
0: Um, and Bo obviously was doing that a fair bit too. But now that I'm pregnant, I've got to be really yeah. aware and be like, you know, we've just got to be a bit gentle around mummy's tummy and I'm one of the questions that came up which wasn't from me I swear it was from my friend who's (laughs) also (laughs) pregnant, asking for a friend really um is that I don't want to put like I don't want him to resent the baby already like Mm -hmm. the baby that's in my tummy um and being like just be careful of mummy's tummy like I have to like I don't know if there's better wording for it but how like what is some advice I guess to assist in the transition from going from that you know you've been there as well um you know one to two children And dealing with behaviors, I guess, that are going to come up.
2: Yeah. And that's a great question because I think that um, I guess there's a lot more awareness nowadays. It's a big transition for Mm. the little one that's already in the house. You know, all of a sudden they've had mum and dad to themselves and there's this new person that requires a lot of attention Mm. um, and has a lot of extra needs. Um, In terms of advice, sort of in the preparation stages, you know, doing lots of practice, toddlers, all of us yeah. <laughs> we do well when we know what to expect. Yeah. A lot of us, when we, we kind of have a better idea of what to expect, we are less nervous. Yeah. Um, so even today, coming here, yeah. I was nervous about recording a podcast because <laughs> I've never done that before. And look, she's a natural. Um, but, you know, we, we sat and we chatted and yeah. I kind of got a, a feel of, of what this would be like. And so same for toddlers, you know, talking about what it's going to look like when the baby's in the house. The baby might cry sometimes. Okay. You know, mummy's going to need to change the baby's nappy. Reading books about having a sibling in the house. Yeah. Using dolls to practice that, you know, making it really concrete and tangible. Um, You know, I know some families that I've worked with have used like teddy bears and they've, you know, practiced swaddling and had their toddler jump in and, and do some swaddling with the teddy bear. That's a good one. Um, so all of those those preparation sorts of things. I know there's a lot of advice around getting a toddler um, to buy a gift for the baby. So yep. the, the toddler helps to choose something so that the toddler's having a sense of ownership and inclusion. Yeah. And then also having the baby bring a gift for the toddler. Cause yeah, the that's also, I was going to say. I have yep. heard of that one before. <laughs> I've heard of that one
0: before. Like is the baby brings a yep. gift. And we
2: did that with my little one. He was about 22 months old when my second was born. So I'm not sure he kind of really got it. Yeah. Um, he liked getting a present though so that was yep. that was fun and it became a fun <laughs> present that he could use when i was breastfeeding too yeah um some other things that can be really helpful when babies here is when you have your older child meet the baby for the first time, having Mm -hmm. it um, in a neutral space.
0: Yeah. I actually, I have, I've been looking on Instagram for all the inspiration. And that's one thing I did see is that like, if you aren't holding the baby, at least then, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So
2: rather than, you know, mum or dad holding the baby when the the toddler comes and meets the baby for the first time, having the baby, you know, on the floor or in a cot or, you know, in a, in a separate space, it's neutral.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: Um, what are some other things i had some other ideas when you first asked this question and now it's slipped my mind oh the other one another big one is really helpful is not using blame language for the baby yeah um so you know when your toddler comes to you and says i want to play instead of saying like oh i can't right now because i'm changing the baby's nappy or the baby's napping or you know just saying like i can't do this right now great idea let's do that in 10 minutes or let's do that later this afternoon so kind of taking the baby out of the equation
0: Cause that's like we that will build a resentment, won't it? Cause it's like, oh god, mum, yeah. like, I want to play, and the baby's always like taking my, you know, my time.
2: Yeah, because yeah. all from that little person, all of a sudden, you know, this baby is taking a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but kind of just helping shift that focus a little yeah. bit for the child to say, you know, in ten minutes I can do this with you. Yeah,
0: him. I did see one thing that was like, especially like when you're feeding the baby or doing breastfeeding, um, is like having like a little box with certain things in it that they don't get to play with all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like, okay, mum's feeding now, but here's a box, and it's like, oh, like it's a bit exciting because I don't get to play with this all the time. You know is what? that? I don't know if I love that or advice not.
2: and I tried that advice that didn't work. For okay, me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> see, I love that. I love to get the
0: proper like the real feedback. <laughs> I feel like
1: it's one of those things that again, it's like going to. Work for some, not for others, you just gotta try.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and my my little guy, he loves attention and so he would do things to get attention during that time. So I'd be you know, sitting on the couch and breastfeeding my baby and I had the toy set out and I was like, This is gonna be great, he's gonna play with it. He would be jumping on the coffee table and I'm like, Bud, we can't do that, that's not safe. And so it became a lot of TV time. Yeah, okay. You know, that's that's what I needed to do in a way to keep him safe.
0: Yeah. TV time, love TV. <laughs> Done, <laughs> sorted. So I guess there another thing
2: is, you know, being kind on yourself in that transitional yeah. phase. You know, if you need to use more TV time than than you normally would, yeah, go for it because you just need to get through it, and it's it's a challenging time going from juggling one to two. Yeah, because you can't split yourself in two.
0: That's it. I guess using the tools that, you know, sometimes you would do. Like I use TV time if I'm doing dinner and Brenton's not home and things yeah. like that. I use it. But it's been funny because my mum and dad are here from Melbourne and he hasn't had TV time in like since they've been here because they've been keeping him so busy. I'm like, this is amazing. He's got like another distraction that's not the screen. Um, <laughs> I know I'm going to go back to the screen the minute they leave. But for now, it's
2: nice. And that's another, you know, really nice thing is relying on the help that you have when you have help yep. available or knowing when to ask for help.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, because That's a big thing because yeah. I do struggle with that, like, yeah.
2: For me, the transition from zero to one, I found really smooth and easy. It was the transition to two because it was having to n- compromise someone's needs at all the time. I couldn't be with my toddler all the time. Yeah. Um, and so it was being kind and gentle on myself helped with my transition. Of yeah. okay, I mm. just I'm gonna give in to the fact that we need to use more TV right now. Yeah. Or you know yeah. I need to rely on my husband more to do the play because I I can't right yeah. now. Like, yeah. I'm, I had mm-hmm. a cesarean. You know. Yeah. I Physically couldn't get down and do certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. that's really good advice it that's is great. that's
0: great advice I'm loving that I was like yes for my friend that was I swear
1: <laughs> <laughs> should we head to our um, special questions for our guests we do each week now that's a new thing even though you're only our second guest I know we've got lots more questions we didn't answer but we have already talked and talked I know I we, feel feel could, like we could go talking. on for we hours could always we really do could we could always do a part two oh we could we would We'd love miss- to come back yeah <laughs> we might do that um so we do have three questions that we ask our guests when they come on so first question what is your favorite part of motherhood
2: oh man there are so many like you know I've, I've always wanted to be a mum I was the kind of kid that from the beginning of life was like I want
1: a baby <laughs> you sound <sell it laughs> like my sister I
2: love it um just hanging out with them, seeing their little brains grow and develop, seeing the, the new connections that they make about things. Um, at the moment, my little one, he's just in this language explosion and just seeing him come up with new words and being able to communicate his needs just blows my mind every day. Yeah. Um, and for my older one, when he achieves things, like new things, and he's so proud of himself, mm. seeing those, those moments and that joy in them, I don't know. It's there's some magic in that. Love that. I <laughs> love it's that. It's amazing.
0: It is. And I guess on the opposite side of that is what is your least favorite thing about motherhood?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, one area that I really struggle with is sensory overwhelm. That yep. that came as such a surprise to me, honestly. Like I used to always have music on and I yes. didn't like quiet. And, and now there are days that like <laughs> the noise. Yeah. It, it's just so much yeah. all the time. It's toys being tipped out. It's hearing mama 55 times, yeah. you know, in it's a minute. Taught. Yeah. Um, I know
0: Kayla talks about that too. Like hmm. you get to that sensory point, don't you? Like, yeah. Sometimes. I think honestly,
1: um, yeah, I can totally relate. And yeah, I have talked about it. Yeah. It's yeah. like you're, and now I think the more I've, Observed it in myself, it is it is fully a nervous system shift. It's mm-hmm. into fight or flight. You're actually in fight or flight because your sensory perception is so heightened. Yeah. And for me, it's almost like the sound, it pierces my ears, but he's not changed his level. Mm. It's just me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just need to sort me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Like a, and same so. sense, like, um, I guess, mess as well is another mm. one. There's just toys everywhere. Like, I just. I'm, I'm an organized person generally. I mm, like things yeah. in their place and I have learned to be okay with more mess, but there are times mm. that it will be the same level of mess. And it just triggers you. And I awesome. yeah. am stressed out. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, all that sensory overwhelm and yeah. being touched out as yeah. well. Oh my God, yes. You know, is a big yes. part of it. <laughs> We're all like, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs>
0: oh, it's like, how many least favorite things can I have? <laughs> so many. No, all no. no. I,
2: I love, I would not change it. Yep. Yeah for the world, I'll take all the bad parts because the good that's far it. outweighs it. Definitely. Um, but it. they exist. And I think that's something that sometimes isn't acknowledged so mm, much and it's yeah. starting to be acknowledged more, but yeah, you know, motherhood is hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it has the
1: polarities of like we just talked about. And I think yeah. it it's, again, having someone like you on here who can just talk to that is
0: great. Cause that's what we're here to do. Definitely. Um, and so what is your best mum hack? What do you got Ooh. for us? Have you got a <laughs> mum hack or just some advice? I guess it could be,
2: um, I like being prepared, like I said. So yeah. um, I do like one batch of like batch cooking a week, where I'll do like a. <laughs> That's so <funny. laughs> This must be a mum thing because that was the same mum hack. Like, no, mum it's
0: mum not thing. an all mum thing. It's not a me thing. <laughs> no, it's an I- organized <laughs> mum thing. Okay, it's an organized. But, mum yes, thing, but... it's the same hack that Alison. Yeah, had. I don't batch cook either. Yeah, right?
2: <laughs> but like I will cook like a double serve of bolognese, and I actually did this in the last week where I bought like a kilo of mince and I cooked up a huge thing of bolognese and just. Stack it all in the freezer so that I can quickly pull out meals. Yeah, I know that we're getting like a balanced meal. Maybe Tara, the universe is trying oh. to
1: tell. Yeah, us I know that we <laughs> need to take <laughs> <laughs> that <this laughs> advice.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> <but> I must him. <laughs> I do remember Miss being amazing with the freezer because I put things in the freezer and I forget about them. Me too. But don't you keep
2: a list or do I? Remember? Yeah, I do have a list because otherwise I will. I'll forget what's down yeah. there. Yeah. So what do you like... do? You freeze it and then
0: put a list on? I
2: just so I have like a little label that I put on the box when I stick it in the freezer so yeah. I can tell what's what. And then I just keep a list on the side of the fridge. And mm. as we pull things out, I just cross it off the list so I know kind of what's down there. So Oh my.
0: God, yes. Okay. I feel like
2: this is good for you, Tara, going into two.
0: Probably. I don't think I have time to do anything still. I'm <laughs> actually, my brain is fried. I'm like, oh, my God, I should start cooking now. <laughs> the
2: other thing I was talking to one of my friends about, like, what mom hacks do I have? Like, yeah. I can't think. Like, they're just things that I do because they just become the, like, yeah, the normal norm. part of, yeah. of what you do. And she's like, the best hack you told me was when I had my second my first was old enough to sort of go to the fridge and we kept all of his yogurts at a level that he could reach them. Yeah. So first thing in the morning when I'd been up all night with a, you know, screaming, crying baby, mm. he would go to the couch. I'd have to go open his yogurt for him and i would turn the TV on yep. and he'd just chill out, watch a bit of TV, eat his yogurt and I'd sleep for an extra hour. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh, great. that's a great idea. And it was brilliant because he could just do things for himself. I could yeah. get that extra little bit of sleep while the baby was sleeping.
0: Yeah, perfect. Independent, just and getting fed. some independence.
2: Yeah, I mean he's a very independent kid. Yeah, <laughs> so you know it's not like I, I trained him to do that. He just yeah, started it just being able to do it. and I'm yeah, like, it worked. We're gonna roll with, with this. Yeah, this is brilliant. I'm gonna encourage this. Yeah. yeah. Can I
0: just throw in one more question? Sure. Um, just because I think it like relates to mum's. This is a motherhood question as well. Just in regards to your work, how mm. do you find that work-life balance with a family? And being your work can be. I imagine it could be emotionally mm. overwhelmed. Like it would be tough. Like how? Like how do you balance that?
2: Um. I'm still figuring that out. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yep. um, I've got some wonderful support around me. You know, yeah. in, in psychology, there's a real focus on having ongoing supervision. So I have, okay. you know, a supervisor that I talk to regularly about things that is happening in my work. things Yeah, oh, to you know, check in with be, your own. Yeah, yeah, to check in with my own stuff, but also, you know, areas that they can support me in. And like, you know, this is a new thing or, you know, I'm doing this. Are there any other suggestions? Yep. Um, we do a lot of peer supervision as well. So just talking with my colleagues. You know, working with families and working with children and, and hearing about some of the difficult mm. things they go through it brings up a lot of emotions. Definitely. And so to have a space where you can just be honest and talk about those. Um and also, you know, maintaining our clients' confidentiality as well. Yeah. So so doing that can be really, really helpful. And just switching off from it, you know, that's I think a real skill that you kind of learn as a psychologist is to leave work at yeah. work. Yeah. And yeah. And to be present with your family when you're present with your family, but it's hard because like, I love my work and I'm passionate about it. And I'm, you know, just started a new three year training course about something (laughs) else. Oh my God. (laughs) So, you know, I'm studying and I'm working and and I'm with my children and I, I want to do it all.
0: Yeah. Um, so Good and you show that you can. Not. It's great. I love it. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. We are all trying. Thank you so much for coming in today. That was amazing. Thank well, you thanks thanks so for much for having me. I've it's been... been so much fun. And like Kayla said, we might bring you back for part two. <laughs> I definitely think it sounds like. We is need there a anywhere people can um, find you, or what do you want to spruik anything while you're here? Um, ahead,
2: well, the, the two programs I work at, um, the Family Interaction Program, is the one I think we spoke a bit more about yep. before, where the the families are behind the two way mirror. Yep. Um, so that's. One of the places I work. The other ones in private practice, and that's called the Family Wellbeing Hub. So I do more one on work with families, um, parents, children, teenagers. Amazing. Also, um, and support across yeah, different mental health areas. Amazing. Great. Well,
1: thank you, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks yeah. for having me. See you later. Bye.